On this holy night of Christmas Eve, the prophecy is from the prophet Isaiah, beginning chapter 9, the first verse. But there shall be no more gloom for her that was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter days, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, upon them has light shined. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall accomplish this. Here ends the Old Testament. The epistle reading is from the first epistle of St. John, chapter 1, beginning the first verse. He speaks on this night of the great darkness, but also the light that only comes from the Son of God, Jesus Christ. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. (coughs) That life was made manifest, and we saw it, and we testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard We now proclaim also to you, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing this, that your joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and now proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we continue to walk about in the darkness, we are lying and we are not living according to the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Here ends the epistle. We stand for the first portion of the Christmas Gospel. The Christmas Gospel, beginning at Luke chapter 2, the first verse. It came about in those days that a decree came out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. 
This was the first enrollment when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be enrolled, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was great with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to be delivered. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. For there was no place for them in the inn. Here ends the first portion. We rise for the second portion of the Christmas gospel. Now by sight to look at Jesus in the squalor of this manger would never tell you who he truly is. He appears to be the most poor and destitute child on the earth. And yet the angels will now declare who he truly is. Luke chapter 2, beginning verse 8. And in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I am bringing you good news of great joy, which will come to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men, in whom he is pleased. Here ends the second portion. We rise the third time. This message of the angels does no one any good unless it is taken to heart and believed. Then the blessings of the promised Savior indeed will come, not by merit, not by goodness, not by any human activity, but the receiving of God's gracious gift is by faith. So the example of the shepherds. Now when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds then said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened that the Lord has made known to us. And so they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw this, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And everyone who heard it marveled at what the shepherds told them. And Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God 
for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. Here ends the Holy Gospel. Sanctify them by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Our text is the Old Testament reading on this Christmas Eve. And we may begin, therefore, in the darkness. Dear saints of God in Christ Jesus, if this night finds you doing well, you've got no worries or cares, everything's fine in the family, at work, and in everything you do, if you seem to be leading a beautifully charmed life where everything is wonderful and you don't even see your own failings, let alone sins, I'm not sure the gospel of the coming of the Savior is going to do too much for you. In this world that we live in where technology industry, education seems to have eradicated most of the problems of this world. Who needs a Jesus? Most of your life you can live pretty well completely without him. I know there are some here tonight that think that way because the next time I will see you is, wait a minute, I won't be here next Christmas. I'll be retired. You know what I was going to say. There are some that only need Jesus maybe once or twice a year, and any more than that is superfluous. There's your big word for the night. More than they ever need. But if, on the other hand, you see your world slipping away from you, where there seem to be more and more things that challenge you and terrify you, that the world is not what it used to be for you, let alone for your children or grandchildren, if you see less and less religiosity and honor toward Christ, if these things bother you, then hallelujah. That's actually the beginning point of a change you. This is about the last time I will mention Dr. Martin Luther. 500 years ago he began the Reformation and he said the beginning of the Christian life and of every day of that Christian life must involve a simple activity given you by the Spirit. Repent. Luther said all of Christian life is repentance. It's the proper darkness that gets you ready and set to so eagerly receive the good news. And the more you recognize the darkness that's all around you, that's ready to swallow you up every single day, the more that reality hits you, you will be turned toward the light, the light of Christ, not the false light of the world around us. Not things, not power, not any earthly matter. Our single light is Jesus Christ. And that we have to re realize every single day. When Isaiah wrote chapter 9, terrible things had already happened to the mighty ten tribes of Israel to the north. 
They were so big and mighty that they assumed the name Israel. All that was left in the south was tiny little Judah and a bit of Benjamin. But he's writing now to Judah because by this time, in spite of their great military prowess and might, the Assyrians had come. And with their army, they slowly choked Israel into submission. The phrase that's used here, Galilee of the nations, Galilee overrun by the pagan nations. The northern ten tribes were very affluent and powerful, but they had forsaken God and trusted in their own abilities and strength. They were going to be successful because they chose it. They didn't need God. And so slowly the northern ten tribes were strangled to death. That beautiful title of the northernmost part of Israel, Galilee, is really an Aramaic word, Galilea, which means the noose. The noose that is slowly tightened, that slowly chokes, and slowly strangles to death. That's what God allowed to happen to the mighty ten tribes of the north because they didn't think they needed God nor his promise of a savior. They were self-sufficient. God showed them otherwise. This little Judah now understands more clearly. By this time, the northern kingdom is no more. Only little Judah in the south. Little tiny, unimportant, very weak Judah. But here Isaiah says there will be no gloom for her that used to be in anguish. Gloom here in the Hebrew means hopeless gloom, a darkness that simply overwhelms you, that you can't get out from under. This is the kind of gloom that's settling in on this nation as well where more and more people simply give up. They can't see the goodness even if it's there. Galilea, Galilee, is a warning to little Judah. But he says the people who walked in this deep darkness now have seen not merely a light, not merely a little candle, but a great light. This is the terminology of the light and brightness of God himself. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, upon them light has shined. And the word here means like the morning sun on a bright morning. No more darkness. It's all dispersed. What can you do to dispel the gloom? What power have you got to send it all away? All the silly self-help programs, all of the things that say just buck up and have good, strong character, you can handle anything. To that I say, bah humbug. I dare you to try it. It won't work. You're bound to fail. 
But in the middle of this darkness and seeming hopeless now, you have this promise of the Messiah, the promised one, the Redeemer. Why is this darkness taken away? Because for our benefit, a child has been born. It's referring to the birth of Jesus Christ, fulfilling prophecies since the time of Adam and Eve. Unto us a son is given. God was under no obligation to come and to give his son into this world of darkness. No goodness or merit on our part would ever force him to do that. There's nothing at all about us that makes Jesus come and enter this world of darkness, sin, death. But he is given to us. In this country, we have the most precious kind of government there is. It is not perfect, but compared to other types of government, it far outshines them. But here we find there's a government even greater than that, even greater than our own. The term here for government is not used, this word, ever for any earthly government. The term is mashal. The heavenly, godly government will be in charge. And that full government from heaven itself will be laid on the shoulders of this child. Jesus doesn't look like he's in charge of anything, but what he does at the end of his life is most significant. He does not come to start programs so that we can lift ourselves up by our bootstraps. He has not come to bring heaven on earth. He has not come to bring prosperity. He's come to bring something greater. This vestment that I wear this night is a picture of the two things that Christ Jesus has done for you. If you realize how precious it is, then you are truly blessed. If you scoff at it as something unnecessary, I feel so deeply sorry for you. First of all, the white. The symbolism of the white is Christ's own absolute heavenly righteousness. That is talked about many times in the scriptures as the thing that the Messiah comes to fulfill. We have no righteousness. He has all righteousness, and he comes to fulfill it in our stead. Our righteousness has to be that of Jesus Christ. When you die someday and stand before the judgment throne of heaven, you daresn't point to yourself in any way. You can only point to Jesus. He is your righteousness. Otherwise, you have none. But the black doesn't stand for merely a knight. The black stands for Christ on the cross. Even the imagery, as you can see his hands, they're borne out like this on the cross. As St. Paul says, he became sin for us, he who had no sin. He becomes the epitome of all sin. He bears the sins of the world. He bears your sins completely on the cross, and there he pays for them. What can you give in exchange for your sins? Shall you, as Paul says, give your body to be burned? 
Can you give away all that you have? Can you make yourself your own sacrifice for sin? That is not only not workable, but an affront to the Christ who has come to do that in your stead for you. He does these two things not because of what we are, but because of grace, undeserved love, the increase of his mashal, his heavenly government, and of peace, there shall be no end. The only real peace is found in Jesus Christ. The rest of the world that we live in is slowly winding down into an abyss, and no amount of military strength or missiles or nuclear power can save us. He will be on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice, the payment for sin, and righteousness, his full keeping of the law. And he does it from this time forth and even forevermore, including this night and every day that God gives to you. The Christmas gift of the Christ child is these two things, for without them you have no peace, either on earth or with God. I invite you tonight to find the real Christmas gift in the Christ child. He pays for your sins completely. There is nothing said against you. He is the complete and absolute fulfillment of every law and command of the Father. And that's accounted as being our own. He upholds it and establishes it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and even forevermore. When Jesus is born in Bethlehem, begins his work of our redemption. And it says the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Every day he wakes up from childhood to the day he dies on the cross to do these things for you and for me, to redeem us. Constantly eager to carry this out. And what should be our response? To be like the shepherds who also recognize the darkness of their lives and their lowly hopelessness, that they daily come to this Christ to find him. I invite you to do that every day of your life, that you may know the joy and the perfect peace of Christmas. Amen. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.